When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Jason Black. This is a podcast uh, where oh no, we have to say it. Where queer people come to stand their divas. Yes, yes. You didn't put this in the Google Doc, so of course, this is the thing I always forget. You're not doing okay, but yes, yes, this is this is the easy part. This is a podcast for that. We we bring light, joy, and love. We celebrate the women who have inspired all of us. Uh, yeah, that's something that Nick and I loved doing as a child, childhood, and we turned it into a freaking podcast. We, uh, we analyze, satirize, uh, review the works of the great divas of stage, screen, literature, music, <laughs> um, modern art, poetry, sculpture. <laughs> every, every, everything. Every this gymnast. This is a podcast for. Jamie. See, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know this is a, I forgot to do this. Okay, good, good. This is a podcast for everyone. This episode is is for everyone. This is your mommies. For- you know what? We used to always say this is for your aunties. This truly, this episode truly. This is, is a truly an auntie. auntie auntie episode. This is also an episode, especially for Battle Angels family only this week. Um, it's an episode for, um, just girls, all the girls who made it through war. Yeah. It's, this is for those war. This is for our war bays. This are, these are for our people. Oh my gosh. That's my dad. This could be for my, this is for my, this is for your dad. We both had dads that were obsessed with the war. war. This is the only war that Nick and I care about. This is the only version of any war we've ever liked thinking about. <laughs> this. Hi, we're back, everyone. We're we're coming at you with a special holiday episode, just because we know you've missed us and we're so thankful for you. And we've loved getting your messages and little notes in this period that we haven't been podcasting. So we just wanted to drop in to give you a special episode for your Thanksgiving week in case you're driving far or staying at home and being sad, whatever you're doing. If you can't already tell, we're just like that rusty trombone, just <laughs> blowing away. Just, we're just good. We're coming back to hoot, hoot, hoot at you. Just screaming into your earbuds. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder if I wonder if we even know how to upload this anymore. Okay, we're going to start off like we love to do with some diva news because we've been away for a while. There's a lot to cover before we get to the main event of the episode, which will be Bette Midler's film For the Boys, our podcast namesake. We couldn't not do this movie, so uh, we're doing it for you today. But before we get to that, we're going to get to some diva news. What diva news? Oh, we haven't done an episode since June. What has been happening with our, your divas, Jay? Uh, well, P- well, Pink had a had a hip replacement, and she's suffering through what? it. But her husband, uh, I know. I she did not even surgery. know. I don't know if it was a replacement. It was hip surgery. And she's really struggling on the recovery. But she owes a lot of debt to, I guess, Carrie, her husband, mm-hmm. 
for you know i mean you can't just be flying around like a bat out of hell you can't just concerts and not hurt just hanging from all those bungee cords and not really pull a thing so so light a goddess candle for our pink Light for a goddess recovery. For I'm also going <laughs> to have to ask everyone to light a goddess candle for Demi Lovato, who has gone full QAnon Kahukachu. Oh, see, yeah. She I, has gone to the basement of conspiracy theories. She has a new... She she did not take our advice. She continues to make a documentary about herself every 24 minutes. I I mean, I'm lighting... I mean, yes, we were. I love that we were like, Demi, Demi, slow down, take some space. But I'm lighting a candle for the continuation of Cuckoo Cachoo. Like, once she started going after that ice cream shop in, like, Venice <laughs> or whatever, for being fat phobic, because they had, like, sugar-free cookies, and all the diabetics were like, no, bitch, chill. <laughs> like, that means we get to eat there, too. <laughs> once she started doing that, and then just dropping to the lower houses of diva dumb, uh, into the space age of the house of Kirstie Alley, just forever. Yeah, give me the give me the crazy, give me the crazy. But yeah, we should light a candle for our demi. Yeah, and our demi god. If you get anyone who gets a little too into the demigods theories, I just want to recommend <laughs> this person on Twitter named Abby Richards. She's this amazing. Uh, woman on Twitter who debunks conspiracy theories in really entertaining videos. And she's constantly getting doxxed by the craziest people online. So go give her a follow, give her some love. There's some very educational, good videos you can send to your friend who is anti-vax or crazy. So follow her. So so there you go. But we just got to get out of the way, out of the way. We are, we are taping on the day. Our high priestess, Lord Mm. goddess, queen, Goddess Queen of current diva dumb, yes, has dropped. Has, has dropped thirty. Has thirty dropped on us? Ooh. First she dropped a hundred, and then she dropped thirty. We're on thirty. Whoa, she is whoa. so. Did you watch the concert from Griff- Griffith Park? Yes, Mama. Right after you texted me, you know how I'm three hours she, delayed. How did she get that weather? Like the most beautiful I've ever seen LA look in my life. Oh, duh! You don't know this. Because she was wearing she controls the sun Demi the Lovato. Yeah, well, Demi, Demi God gave her this, those Saturn earrings. And she got her Saturn tattoo. And she got, and then she has the trifecta, the Saturn tattoo. And those three things combined, given by the Demi God. <laughs> is a storm. Is, yes, is able to literally go from day to night impeccably. Oh my with the God. backdrop of the observatory. Can you imagine all of the kids going to the observatory to do that like classic kind of Bobo hike to get up there and are just being denied because Adele is taping? Denied, except for that one cute couple who got to have their wedding proposal. So So random. random. So cute. I mean, that woman was killing me. She was so emotional and hilarious and like perfectly candid i don't know how they found her <laughs> okay i was i was gagging i was watching this with my roommate my best friend mama and we kept having this fantasy that she was going to look up at adele and go oh who's that <laughs> who's that she doesn't even like that yeah like she had no idea like she just had no idea who this random woman was like standing up there crooning at her like oh no who is that what is this she's a card-carrying member of the navy and she's just like doesn't understand why rihanna won't drop the album it was so good also interspliced with the oprah full in the rose garden interview it's her oh no no her rose garden baby it wasn't the rose garden it's oprah's oprah's private 
guess. 30 acre. I'm just going to say it's 30 acre because it's Matt. Because she did that for the, the, the album drop. She got 30 acres of a rose garden. It was only that looks like a maze. She added six extra acres <laughs> just for Adele's presence. I, I mean, what's so fun about this is, speaking of the Navy and our Riri, I really do. I was thinking that there's really only three. There's Beyonce, there's Rihanna, and there's Adele that can kind of make these waves anymore. That can make yeah. the nation set up in their seats mm-hmm. and be like, I know what I'm doing for a whole day. And then from those, from the days forward, I'm doing this. Like, and I love a spectacle. I uh, love everything about all of this. I mm. was not, I was temp, tempered, temperate on, on easy on me. It was not necessarily my everything. When she dropped that single, I kind of thought it was a little bit more of the same from 25. I was like, right. okay, this is a middle ballad, right. you know, beautiful with some emotions. But I was like, ooh, but then, ooh, the children. Genre shifting, the just the number of influences. I kept like reading lyrics from different reviews and being like, just kind of feels like it's her blog. But then when I hear it in the context of the music, it's so brilliant and great. And I'm obsessed and I can't really break down the album as to my favorites yet. Cause I've only listened to it today at like nine or 10 times. So, so you're going to have to do 30 more times. Uh-huh. To you really have to understand get through your 30 lessons. I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but when 25 came out, I sat with my friends, Heather and Stacy and we sat on a porch outside and we just sat down with our wine. Like we had dinner, then we got our wine and we listened through the entire album twice without speaking to each other. Oh, I love this. This is like our JFK. I remember too exactly where I was when this dropped. I was with my my former roommate, uh, Pej, Pejman. And it was like that kind of that scene from the movie where like a couple just like moves around the house, like some lays on the couch, some lays on the floor. And we Mm -hmm. kind of just were doing, we're enacting that while listening to the album also twice all the way through Mm. and absorbing it. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that's so that's, but, but this really half of her songs are over five minutes. She's not trying to play for that pop star uh, radio friendly. She's giving us a fucking fully realized masterpiece album i think and like i said yeah i have i i i did that because oh god bless my god bless my la life i gotta listen to it at like 11 o'clock here fab and so i just went through each song and then i woke up and then kind of absorbed it again so i i'm i'm now having gonna what is that now i'm gonna do 28 times to really fully absorb it but i haven't gotten the vinyl yet the vinyl hasn't (laughs) so that's when i really am gonna get into it oh my gosh so much more diva news um we have to also give a shout out to the goddess nikki kidman for being our new mc at the movies. I don't know. She's ushered us. She's our usher. <laughs> She's the usher. I don't Come know on in, she says. To AMC to see the classic short <laughs> film of Nikki Kidman <laughs> in a silver tuxedo of some kind going to see Jurassic Park 2. It's everything to me. I get really nervous. Like, there were, the last time I saw a movie, I kind of thought it was going to happen and I started getting this like pit in my stomach that I was just going to walk out of the theater if Nikki Kidd wasn't going to tell me the magic of movies <laughs> while she sits there with her pristine face and her silver suit I was like oh no I don't know how to watch this if she doesn't tell me what to do so yeah I don't I hope they keep this for years I hope like in 25 years it's still absolutely this 
Nikki Kid telling us, Nick texts me a different photo of Nicole Kidman as this is fantasy <laughs> to let me know not only that he's seen a picture, but that he's seen it with Nikki. And so every time I'm like, oh, what'd you and Nikki makes me feel like Makes me feel like she's beside me for the whole film. It just makes me feel better. <laughs> Kids, we're going to keep talking about lighting a candle, light a candle for our Nicole Kidman, one of our goddesses who we have obviously covered on this podcast. We adore her. She is really uh, making some some leaps and bounds. Yes. And she's going to be playing Lucille Ball in the Ricardos. Mm -hmm. It's coming out soon. There is Mm -hmm. a, a lot of turmoil on the internet about this. Yes. So light a candle and let's hope that this really works. I know. I think, I mean, I'm very nervous for our girl. I am, but you know what? She's magic and she knows the movies. We know now that she knows what it's like to watch Jurassic Park 2. To be transported. We know she knows what that is. And speaking of uh, divas transporting us, playing other divas, divas on divas, it's a whole theme this year. My favorite movie of the year so far, by far, Spencer. I saw it on my birthday. It's so, it was everything I wanted. It's a Christmas movie. It's has a Johnny Greenwood score. She changes dresses like every four minutes. It's amazing, beautiful, long. It's like the perfect blend of high art and high camp. It can't, it doesn't want to be in either world. So it takes in both in this luscious early nineties tornado. Nick was like, you need to see it today. He was like, no, just go today. Like after he said, he was like, oh no, you can just go today. Like just f- find Nicole, Nicole Kidman will show you where an AMC is. <laughs> she will direct you. Okay, but listen, I haven't seen it, but I have my tickets. My baby, I have my tickets on Sunday and guess Ooh. where I'm seeing it? Where? Burbank? Right, right. Right next to Margaritaville, mama. So I have like this fantasy. You're going to the fucking Universal City? I'm going to City. Universal City. Universal where, City. That's like Nick's. That's like Nick's. Yes, it's so fucking wild. You have to pay to get in to the parking lot. And they validate. I, I, they will validate. And so my <laughs> fantasy is that I'm going to go and see Spencer totally trip out and then go and have a large iced tea at Margaritaville. Is that like Fuck yes. good camp right there? I feel like that's, that's a very good camp. That's perfectly appropriate. <laughs> Kristen Stewart would be really proud of you. Um, oh, wait, can also, I just bring up another casting that I think is interesting? Please. please. Wicked. The Wicked. The Wicked Girls oh, are cast. The Wicked of it all. Yes, they're cast. It's happening. It's Ari Grande and our Cynthia Arrivo. I know. People like, are also up in arms with that. Everyone's just up in arms about everything. Really? I don't know if they're up in arms, There's but I feel to be like the Wicked up in fans, arms about in I, this country, and it, that is not one of those things, no. okay? I think but it's We're inspired. an escape podcast. We're an escape podcast podcast we're not going to go into all the fucked up things happening in this country because we just we're just going to live in the land of oz and i think it's inspired right. like i said i'm i you know bring it i'm just happy they can both sing i just am always a huge fan of musicals where everyone knows how to sing and they were yeah and and i, I feel like people forget but ariana grande came came up in the theater so she yes. knows her way around a musical it's going to be very good but i want to go back to the oscars for a second because your girl Kiki Dunst is currently just catapulting to the top of this best supporting actress race. And it might be her year. I, it's a fool's game for me to, to, to go there because my heart was too broken when she lost the Emmy in Fargo to another absolute diva who we're going to have to now soon talk about our lady Gaga, Mm -hmm. our house of Mm -hmm. Gucci. 
So when she lost that, because mm. I, she was such a revelation. If you haven't seen Fargo two with Kiki Dunst, it's you just get to see hours and hours of her being absolutely everything, twisting and turning things around, breaking your fucking heart, making Combining you laugh. the comedy and drama masks in every breath. Absolutely. Smiles and frowns all over the fucking place. She and so, yeah. Her so frowns I, mean, a I smile, just, her smiles a frown. You can't, I can't, I will let Nikki kid sit with me and watch. The power Good. of the dog, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to let it be there, and I can't. I mean, I you can't. What's going to be annoying is because it it's a Netflix movie; it's only going to be playing at like I one of the Netflix cinemas. But it, that one is the one in Los Villas for you, which is nice because that's where I saw Roma for the fourth time. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I like that one. I saw Boyhood there. Do you remember Boyhood? Mm, that is not yeah. a for her podcast. No, but Patricia but, Arquette won a very deserved Academy Award for that, and she was absolutely um, the best thing in it. I also want to just, just I'm just going to pop through, lightning round. Congratulations, Britney Spears, for being free from your conservatorship. Thank God. Happy birthday yes. to Tula Clark. You're 91 years old. God bless you. And still you. singing. Oh, my gosh. When Broadway came back uh, in London, she came out uh, for Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And I was just crying. Tula girl. She's so good still, too. Yep. Still can, still can do it. And um, apparently Erica Jane is innocent. So there we go. Yeah, what? <laughs> well, I didn't expect that on a diva doc. <laughs> I've just been such a, it's such a like real housewives kind of winter started. And I've just been, you know, I found out, has this ever happened to you when you find out that like a very good friend is a housewives super fan and has been watching all along, but never told you? It, well, because I'm not a housewives fan and I'm, I'm a new housewives girl and I go, I dip in and out. So it's not like something that's always on my lips. So I, I'm kind of always newly surprised when I can meet a bosom buddy and sit down and talk about Jen Shaw's oh. uh, soon incarceration. Man, I was, I did three episodes of Salt Lake last night and Jen Shaw is a, a piece I did two baby girl. Did you? I got up to yes. like episode seven. Wow. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm still behind. Lisa but... is truly the really scary one in that bunch, though. Really? You think Lisa? <laughs> yeah, I'm terrified of her. Lisa <laughs> Terrifi- Barlow. <laughs> Lisa Barlow terrifies me. Like I the Mormon with the day. liquor with the with the Mormon with the liquor company <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the liquor licensing company. company. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I have to do a real shout out to a battle angel who wrote us about a Phoebe Snow episode, and we will just right now on the air acknowledge that Phoebe Snow's daughter was named Valerie Rose, not Victoria. We kept calling her Victoria in the episode. We are very sorry about this. Valerie Rose, rest in peace. Glorious, beautiful daughter of the amazing and talented Phoebe Snow. Also rest in peace. Find that episode available wherever podcasts are free. You know, it's it's the bet in us. It's the beaches in us that make her want to be Victoria. Victoria Cecilia. Yeah. We think all children are named Victoria. Victoria. (laughs) Something we do. All babies are are instantly christened with the name Victoria and then (laughs) and and then something else. Also, if you're in New York City or anywhere near New York City, you have a couple more days to run, run, pay whatever you can, sell organs if you need to. You won't need to. It's not that expensive. And see Dana H. on Broadway starring diva of this podcast, Deirdre O'Connell, star of a little film called Diane with Mary Kay Place. Um, she, It's one of the greatest performances you'll ever see by an actor in your life. So go uh, on Broadway to the Lyceum Theater and see Dana H. It's astonishing. Anything else? You got more Diva News? I I don't. Hey, babe, I have a question. Where have we been? Where have we been? I have a question back. Where are we going? 
Ooh, two forward and backwards. What's happening? Mm. Yeah, these are these are very good questions. Questions that Nick and I have s- struggled throughout uh, this time to even answer for ourselves. In fact, yes. we would just mention the word podcast and both of us just shut down and stop talking for a couple of minutes as I'm driving through the Popeyes. <laughs> as I have to be forced then to go through a Popeyes drive through to get a chicken sandwich because it's all yeah. too overwhelming. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk about wh- what happened. We came back <laughs> and we start we we started up on our bullshit. Started uh, batch taping and carving out a season. I think we had a For full season, season three. carved out. Yeah, Nick had yeah. kind of had most everything blocked up into the new year. Yeah, right? we were gonna yeah, and we were gonna do a solid uh, you know two episodes a week, one main episode, one uh, Patreon episode for y'all every week, and. What I, a couple things happened. I mean, Jason had some personal family things going on, which I'll let him talk about in a moment. Um, I had that very rare and special feeling that I think is um, so rare uh, these days. I received a message from the universe to shut the fuck up. You know, <laughs> I just went through a period of not wanting to talk anymore, not wanting to be seen, not wanting to engage in the discourse. Like there's so much discourse and I really wanted to take a pause and rather than frantically try to cover every diva in the canon, get the most interesting guests on for all of you, um, I got a little burnt out from overwork because I don't know if you know this, but creating two episodes a week of a podcast is really hard, especially when you know we don't have producers or um, a lot of money behind this one. So... Uh, it's all, it's just a two gal band over here and we're just working as hard as we can. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a victim of burnout in that way. I mean, it's real. It's real. I think we both were sitting with burnout, uh, separately and not sharing it. And it actually was really serendipitous because you kind of came to me and I had privately started sharing it. I remember, I remember with my roommate saying, I don't know how much longer I can do this, but I'm, I'm waiting for the right time to talk to Nick. And the right time was when you brought it up because <laughs> you were sitting over there too, with your feelings. And I think we were both trying to protect each other in a certain way, but the world was opening up again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we really were closely associating this podcast as a lifeline for being locked inside. Yes. And it was kind of something that was literally a project that we could do safely it could take our mind off of the off of this cruel, cruel world. I remember watching Aaron Brockovich like during the height of all of this, <laughs> and then just being grateful to be away from everything for two hours. I put my phone down. I wasn't getting COVID news. I wasn't getting anything. I just mm-hmm. knew like I was going to focus on this. I was going to research this, and then we were going to talk just about this. We had set up a template long, long before the pandemic that we were going to bring the real world in, and bizarrely that's the thing that kind of protected and softened this whole horrible era that we've been through. And then when the world started opening up, it, we kind of, we, we really desperately just needed that break. And then on top of that, I, my mom who was recovering from COVID got what got uh, some news that was really earth shattering to me because it, I, I thought it meant that it was um, it was a, it was a terminal uh, diagnosis that she had gotten and 
that she was just going to get now increasingly, increasingly sick and be on oxygen for the rest of her life, be dependent on oxygen for the rest of her life. So with all that combined, after we taped our iconic pink episode, we, we needed a break. We needed a big yeah. break. And um, I went home. I went to doctor's appointments with my mom and we got another diagnosis and it, tur- and it was ex- beyond hopeful. Weeping in the office, my mom said to the doctor, we just have never gotten good news. So for eight, that, those eight months, we had not gotten good news. And she went home. She joined a rehabilitation clinic and she's officially off oxygen. She does not have that terminal diagnosis. Yes. And she's, and she's totally recovering. Every day. Yeah. And Which so that's all that led us. Yeah. We didn't think was going to happen. And I just I just had no mental space to talk about divas. Yeah, it's it's hard. And also, like Jason said, I uh, when we were podcasting, it reminded me of the being in the pandemic. You know, this thing that saved us, you know, kind of reminds me of that experience. And so we needed some time away from it. So we promised we're going to we're going to do something with this podcast in some way, it just might take a different form. It, no, no, we can say it will. It will, it will take not, a different form. We, we have decided at least like the, the, one of the definitive things is that we've decided we are not going to come back weekly. Yes. Uh, we are not going to be doing that thing that, you know, you know, our, our structure was one up one week was just Nick and I, the next week was interviewing a Stan, a fan about a diva. We're not going to do that. And we're way, we're truly weighing our, our options. We, we mm-hmm. still want to create, this is still a passion for us, but yeah. Yeah. We're As we know it. New ways to do it. And if you have an idea, you can pitch us ideas. If you run a podcasting network and are, you know, have a lot of money and want to pay us to uh, make content, we, our DMs are open. You just slide right in there. Um, yeah. We are open and figuring out the next step. But another thing about making content all the time is that you don't, I don't have room, I find, to be creative about anything else when this one thing is so overpowering. And so it takes a little time away to reassess and make something new. I also found out, babe, this week, I was like, I'm sure I talked to you last week, but I just felt like I hadn't talked to you in a long time. And I was kind of getting back into that that mode that we don't talk to each other because we want to save it for the pod. So we have some fresh takes. And then when we do talk to each other, it's literally just planning the next podcast. And that's, and, and when we've been off, Nick and I just have just go to gab town for hours (laughs) about our actual lives, about other things that are happening, um, about the things we saw ate and enjoyed. And I just was getting, I just got that feeling of like, Oh, I don't want that to hinder that anymore. So for real, but we love all of you and we are, we uh, have missed you and we're so happy to be back. So that's where we've been. That's where we might be going. We don't know, but where we're going to go for the next little while. We're, we're going back to the namesake of our podcast. Exactly. I don't know if, uh, if you haven't figured this out yet for the girls is a riff on the title for the boys, which is bet. Ford Coppola Midler's war epic of the early 90s. Her apocalypse now. <laughs> it's her, it for is, the it, boys. It's very apocalypse now vibes. I mean, Bet was swinging for the fences. She was 
at she was at this moment the highest paid woman in Hollywood. She reteams with the director of her hit film The Rose to make this and she produced this with her production company All Girl Productions. I mean, she had been wanting to make a war movie for years. This is this was a project that I think was starting to be created in one way or the other in the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. That bet was being attached to. She kind of said that a lot of the men got to be in these big production action uh, war movies. And she wanted to, to, to do one. She kind of had this fantasy that she wanted to do The Rose Goes to Vietnam. But unfortunately, spoilers here, if you haven't seen The Rose, absolutely stop and go see The Rose now. <laughs> uh, she's like, well, I couldn't do that because she dies at the end of the first one. So I couldn't do The Rose Goes to Vietnam. And so she's she she was really at, attached to kind of uh, trying to do a war movie from a woman's perspective, mm-hmm. and she didn't. But she didn't know how what in that 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 was like. What what could she? What place was a woman in in the war movies? And so she found it in you know entertaining the troops, right? In the story of Dixie Leonard, who is mm-hmm. a USO performer with her, uh, you know, double act with a man named Eddie Sparks. We're going to take you through the movie and the soundtrack because it was very seminal for us. As Jason said, both of our dads were really into war movies. So this was like one way to be like, we're into war movies too. Come watch For the Boys. Okay, let's talk about this. Didn't really I, think it's, I think it's so funny. We were talking about things to come back on and Nick was like, we have to come back with this movie because this is the 20th anniversary. It's and the 30th anniversary today 30th that we're releasing else. it. It's the 30th anniversary. It came out in 1991. 30 years ago today, babe. So Ooh, I don't like the idea of being having three decades under our belt like that. <laughs> oh, I don't. Mama doesn't like that idea. My, and I can remember first watching this movie. And so Nick was like, oh, well, we have to do this. This is really important. I was like, I love you, baby. It's only important to us. <laughs> like, absolutely no one knows about this movie. Um, no. I even think like the I would say like the casual bet fan, you know, like a level leveled up bet fan. This is probably not in their top. I don't uh, know. I think a lot of I think a lot of Bet fans like this movie. I think that this soundtrack is pretty uh, seminal. But yeah, we were thinking about doing a, an episode for the twentieth twenty fifth anniversary of First Wives Club, and then in typical for the girls fashion, we were like, "Hold on, everyone's going to be doing that." So let's do the thirtieth anniversary of For the Boys. So let's go. Let's hit it. Surprise you. Let's hit. It. Let's talk about the origins. I want to talk about mine because I remember. Origins. So we were deep into our very adolescent bet fandom and Mm -hmm. we had kind of ran. I mean, we ran through kind of the, maybe the typical ones like that were pretty appropriate for us to watch like big business and beaches, hocus pocus, all of these Mm -hmm. things. And I remember like, okay, like, look at this. I think this is going to be epic. Like I want to, I, I want to take my mom to rent this movie. Right. And I was just, it was like probably like a evening where she was ironing and I had this movie on and we were watching it with one of those bowls of popcorn that you make in the microwave. My family was mm-hmm. such a fucking, that was like an every night activity, the popcorn mm-hmm. microwave. And I remember just thinking like, whoa, this is above my head. This is so adult. This is adult in a way that I don't understand adulthood yet, but I am watching a capital A AARP adult movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so mature. The thing I love about that, so mature, it comes, it fully comes out of Bette's mind and her passions. 
and all of it is so bet. Every, like, it, it's almost like an apotheosis of what she was always trying to create in her career. So many strands come together. It opens in LA on like a Hollywood lot of a live taping of some kind of event. And uh, there's limos driving around. There's all these people checking things, you know, checking ca- camera tests and things. And this woman has not arrived. This woman named Dixie Leonard. So they have to send out this young assistant played by Ari Gross in a, a limousine to go to her house in Beverly Hills to pick her up. Watching this movie makes me think about how everything I know in my life comes comes from the source. Like uh-huh, everything I understood yeah. comes from Bet. Like mm-hmm. everything. I I did I had no idea for like 10 years that there was another Beast of Burden record. Like I had <laughs> never heard, never knew that the Rolling Stones had originally. Why would that. you? Why would I? So this is what I learned about LA. To me, this is like what I fully believed LA LA was like. like. Yes, absolutely. And this is what I thought when you got old looked like. I mean, this was like seeing, (sighs) this was like seeing the Terminator again. Like, wow, for me. Wow. When Ari comes to her house and they Mm -hmm. finally show her, this was like, Nick and I were like, get out, bitch. She looks so (laughs) old. We were like. She's such an actress. <laughs> they in this movie they build up the bet anticipation so much. First, they build up the anticipation of seeing her for the first time because there's like five minutes of this movie where you don't see her, and then you see her in this kind of really incredible old age makeup. And I remember at this time being afraid of Bet ever getting that old, and thank God she never has. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Nope. But that was thanks to Cher's pioneering efforts. (laughs) Is do you think no 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 because she's supposed to be in her 80s, right? In her 80s. Yeah. Right. She's in her 80s in this movie because Eddie is 91. It's also she lets herself swear in this movie like she doesn't in anything else. And my first favorite one is she doesn't want to go do this live taping of this special event, this reunion of her and Eddie Sparks, this medal from the president of the United States. And so she goes, then let me explain it for you. All right, Sonny, fuck the 50 million people and fuck Eddie Sparks. You want to hear it in French? (laughs) Also, one of my favorite lines is, and and she's, so she's so old. Beth says that, that she was scared to, to look like this, but that was actually extremely liberating. Mm. to play this old age there was just like a, a sense of freedom that she could feel in, mm. in kind of high i think that true the reason why she loves being winifred from hocus pocus is that she gets to really put on things put on yeah. the you know in winifred she put on the teeth and the hair and here she just really gets to embody this character and really feel it well it's um, like sophie I, she gets to be sophie tucker finally right yeah, she actually gets to be the old true old broad that, that she was always pretending to be yes and she lights up a cigarette and he's like, I, don't you think you shouldn't be uh, smoking those things? And she looks up at him and she goes, honey, I shouldn't even be breathing. Oh, it's and then flashback. We go into the first. That's kind of the prologue. And that's like the first chapter, which is World War Two. It's like 1939. And Bet is inhabiting another one of the ghosts she's been chasing her entire career. The Anderson sisters. The Andrews sister. Andrews, Anderson, Andrews sister. Anderson <laughs> is the focus. I'm back in my hocus pocus. It's Sanderson Andrews plus Andrews. Andersons. But with this terrific trio of this song that starts the album called Billy Dick. Every night while I'm undressing, saying my prayers and lightly confessing, I can hear hot licks from a set of drums upstairs. 
on a huevo, believe it or not, every night on the dot, I can hear a tenor drum say, when's that character coming back, when's that kid in the G.I. Lid gonna choo-choo down the track, poor old me, I'm beat as can be, and my river seat started to run. Yeah, Bet um Bet's kind of known for her sourcing, her song sourcing. Mm-hmm. She says every time she kind of releases an album that she listens to hundreds of tracks, and she loves to just dig through the old songbook and find things that a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. And this is these this is one of them. This I could just tell, you know, supposedly she would say up uh there's a report that like people were just uh around her be like, I don't give a fuck what she sings. I'm exhausted. And she would uh fire back, it's only two AM, let's keep going. Mm. Like let's keep trying to find the exact right material. And Oh, when this starts, honey, I still get the shivs. I still get uh. a total body shiver. This is so exciting. When's that character coming back? When's that boy with the jumping joy gonna launch that last attack? If he'll roll, roll, roll like a drumstick, chew and chew and chew and on a drumstick, Jack will soon have a Japanese derby and a beat like a symbol on a music rack. When's that character coming back? I would say the first 30 minutes are perfect of this movie. Absolutely. The first 30 minutes are exactly what you want in the movie. And then it kind of goes off the fucking rails. Totally. But this is, and it's two and a half hours long. So hold oh, on tight. Oh, honey, baby girl. Ooh, when I took a pause but, to take a wee wee, I was like, oh, yep, that's right. It's, do, do, but do, hold on. Wait, wait, what, wait. What, what, what? Who sings in this Billy Dick with her? Melissa Manchester. Fucking Melissa Manchester playing Aunt Corrine, <laughs> like looking gorgeous. And also I looking am Looking like not Mary Steenburgen, to... am I wrong? Looking like Mary Steenburgen giving us a very curly top. There's another lady too who I don't know who that is, but she's fabulous. She sounds great. And Bet is in this killer red dress. I'm going to be really focusing on the fashion in this movie because it slayed me this time. Every, every, every look she gives is a serve. We want to like give you all the all of the tea. So if you don't know, Melissa Manchester of the iconic hit "Don't Cry Out Loud" was an original yes. Harlette. Was one of the originals in the early seventies yes. Harlette. So kind of a bet creation. Bet would go on to write a lot of songs with Melissa. Uh, they had a huge working uh, together, and so I think this is just such a love letter to her to have her mm-hmm. on and and be her singer. Yeah, looking I, absolutely I amazing. With, I could have dealt with more Aunt Corrine in this movie. So much more. I even try. I even like clocked her at the funeral and i was like i wonder was if melissa was, was like I'm, I'm on the cutting room floor but if you pause this real quick you can see me uh, <laughs> you can see me in, in the, the procession funeral. okay but we're getting ahead she dixie leonard at this point her husband is away fighting the war they're singing this song this guy comes in to like uh bring a war telegram and she gets really worried that her husband's dead but no it's a cable from her uncle art telling her to fly over to London, drop everything and start a USO tour with none other than Eddie Sparks, who's kind of like a Bob Hope like character. He's a total Bob got, Hope character. Yeah. She's got this little son, Danny, 
though, who she has to leave with Aunt Corrine. And when she leaves him to go on the USO tour, she sings, oh, one of my favorite songs in the movie, which is another Bet serve, which is Bet always includes, or not always, but very often will include a lullaby on every album. And this is her lullaby. Dreamland. And when in this version too, the not on the recording version, but in the movie version, her emotion in her voice, like this is the first time I cried in this movie. There's a place way up high, starry bright there, through the night there. Close your eyes. Let your wishes fly. You'll be in dreamland by and by. I mean, you totally know that she has sung this to Sophie. And she can't even keep your straight face singing this song. Um, This song was written by Barbara Streisand's team. She took, she took, oh. yeah. And, um, Alan Bergman and Marilyn Bergman yep. and Don Grusen. Yeah. So that looked towards them for uh, an original and this is what they gave her. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And in this, she's wearing that black and white check suit with a little pink sweater underneath it. It's so beautiful. This her, is like, high glam for Bet. This is like her most. This is she. She did a um, a Vogue cover piece where she was like playing Mae West and doing all of these things. Like this was really truly when she was. She had she, her hair was in these this perfect ringlets. I think it's, it's actually her hair for a lot of the movie. I think so too. It's like you can really tell that it's not a wig a lot of the movie, and it's one of the last times we ever see her without a wig because Beaches was all wigs. Um, I think down and out, she uses some of her hair, but like outrageous is all wigs. Like this is, it's really nice. Cause it's really the most, you also have a lot of scenes with bet without makeup in this movie. This is like the most, I feel like this is the most bet bet has ever been in a film. Yeah. The movie we'll get into it is a, is a mess. It's a big, it's like, it's a huge beginning with a lot of middle, like a lot mm-hmm. of middle. We're going to skip over, uh, not have much to talk about. Cause like, it's mostly middle, you know, how movies have beginnings, middles and ends. Usually the beginnings and the ends are the longest parts. The longest part here is a very strange middle, but this is, there isn't a single missed opportunity when bets in the scene, when bet is in the, mm-hmm. is in the frame, she is in total control and in command and she like single-handedly saves this picture because she is so effervescent. I mean, I can't even tell you how effervescent she is and gorgeous and and, and just alive. Alive. Her, her alive. are living like right under her skin. When she sh- so she, next she shows up in London and Uncle Art played by George Siegel who is so excellent in this movie. He really deserved a supporting actor nom for this Why movie. Why am I hot for George Siegel? Why? You should be. He's so I'm hot. great. I'm hot for I him. also kind of love that he's her uncle, but George Siegel's only about 10 years older than Bet. Uh-huh. So it's that cool thing where you know it's just that family thing, like a really young uncle who you got to hang out with a lot and they have that vibe. 
Mm-hmm. But when she gets off the plane, she even carries that exhaustion, that like nerves, excitement, exhaustion, like all of her emotions. She says her she hair a- looks like she's been flying. Like they actually yes. made her hair look like she had been traveling. I mean, I this whole sequence where she gets off the plane and then has to get dressed. And we meet one of the other great divas of the movie, who is Loretta, the comedy writer. I need I more Loretta. I need more have- Always need like more Loretta. So much more Loretta in this movie. It's crazy. Dory Brenner plays Loretta, who they call on Dixie's friend on the road. No, Dory Brenner plays Loretta, <laughs> the comedy writer, whose arts like comedy writing partner. So they she gets off the plane and she has to get dressed and get ready, and the show has already begun. So you get those nerves. And then we meet James Kahn as Eddie Sparks, who, yeah, is in the movie. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> I actually, on this rewatch, we, Nick and I hate him for some disparaging marks that we don't need to repeat that he said mm-hmm. about Bette Midler after this film. Obviously, he hates strong women, I would say. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, w- I maybe won't so, so much that he hates all character. women, but he hates strong women. But I actually think he does a really good job. This movie was also panned. This movie broke Bette Midler. This was the movie that broke our diva. So it's very sensitive to us. Mm-hmm. When I, because we knew we know the heartbreak that she went through. Like we said, this movie was uh, was her a baby for years and years and years. Yeah, Disney yeah. wouldn't take it. She was um, under the Disney studio, so she had to go to Fox. Fox yep. finally picked it up, and she she just tirelessly tried to make this happen. So yeah, so and and it was also a commercial flop. But yeah, so and the critics were panicked, and I, and Roger Ebert kind of made this uh, note about Eddie Sparks and said that. We never get a chance to actually see why he's great. Yeah, that's very true. Like, we never actually see him ever sing or perform for the troops. And which is, of course, because when you have the 5,000-watt entity that that is is Bette Midler, Midler, why would you see James Caan do a damn thing? But you never – but that's one of the missing elements of this film is that you never actually see – why he's amazing we see him like banter with the troops we see him do a little soft shoe a little singing sometimes but yeah they don't really show us that because i don't think it's really was james Kahn's strong suit so i think that they were protective of him in that way i mean bet also came back at james Kahn later on um larry king live and said that the biggest problem with the movie was that james Kahn isn't funny <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I think Wait. is so did you were you thinking about this because Bet was kind of on the fence about it was really Mark Rydell the director who cast him he had he had done two other pictures uh with James Conn previously mm-hmm. and what I uh, here's a fact to Bet Bet was originally thought to do misery so this would have yes. been their second I mean, maybe it wouldn't have been if she had done Misery with James Caan. Because James right. Caan was on an upswing. James Caan's career was kind of in the gutter. He was known for being difficult and having substance abuse issues. And so this was him kind of upswinging. And this was part of that. This is the movie this right after voice. Misery. This exactly. is the next season. So And yeah, this, it was a big coup for him to have this lead with Bette Midler, who was the, one of the biggest stars in the world at the time. But anyway, we're like... We're missing the moment. We're getting ready for her to join the stage with Eddie Sparks for the first time. And this is another one of these cycles where we're in bet anticipation because we've had a little bit of a song. Like we had one song in Billy Dick that gets cut off. We have a little lullaby. We haven't really had a number yet from her. And the movie is building on that anticipation. And there's all these, all these soldiers like chanting. And I really think the crowd work in this movie is amazing. Like what Mark Rydell can do with a crowd is really, really, really impressive. 
originally they were going to use actual soldiers. They did. They did with some, but they had a lot of soldiers who had to get shipped off for the Gulf War, which was happening at this time. They um, use like reserves, the reserves, some reserves, and the, but there are lots of actors in it too. But as they're getting ready, Loretta's helping her get ready. Oh, my favorite, my favorite joke <laughs> is when uh, Loretta hands her her flask and Bet zips it, and she goes. <sighs> Nazi tank fuel. Grows hair all over your pinamunda. I know. I need some rest. See, this movie, <laughs> watching this, before I watched this, I, I kind of replayed it in my head, and I was like, I think I could almost go scene by scene in my head. I think, bizarrely, this is not my most watched bet movie, but I almost can scene by scene it, and I think one of the reasons is that this might be your most quoted movie. Oh, I think it is my most quoted movie. I, I like everything I learned about how <laughs> I to think be in it's show because business of you. comes from this movie. Like, I Listen, think it's because of you. You will quote this movie, Boots the House Down, baby. Boots the House Down. Yes, I will do a fucking lip sync to your life for this movie. <laughs> so in this scene, she puts on the only dress that isn't a serve for me in this movie is this black, long, black dirge of a dress she puts on first. Oh, I like it. I like it. It's so long. It's so more. long. She's going to the opera. How was she going to do stuff like that there in that dress? I don't understand. But it rips. And we all know that this dress is coming. This her wearing uh, uh, an admiral's coat as a dress. Because it's the fucking poster of the movie. So you know it's coming. You know it's in this scene. And then she sees this corporal or sergeant or this like sexy man. And she gets him to give her the coat. And then she runs out on stage in this little coat. And it's so iconic. Oh, it's so exciting. And she's wearing her uh, classic, like, sky-high stilettos mm-hmm. that she and has always worn. So this is, a, a tr- like, Beth's kind of big thing was, obviously, as we always talked about, is mining nostalgia. And that was also in her wardrobe. So she would wear these chunky uh, 1940s stilettos. Stilettos. Yeah. I mean, this is actually the look that so many, when you get a rare Bet drag queen, they love to do this look. And this hair. I feel like this is the hair this that they the do hair. for that. Oh, totally. Totally. So she comes out and they do this comedy routine together. That is, I remember when, like watching this as a kid being like, like not getting the jokes at first. No, but also constantly repeating them. Well, hi. Hello. Thought you'd never get here. Sorry. A uh, little trouble over the channel, you know. Old Pip. <laughs> really? Righto. We were halfway to Belgium when we ran out of gas, I believe you call it. It's funny you don't look like you'd ever run out of gas. Are you trying to get into my flak suit, honey? I'm just trying to debrief you. without any gas. What did you do? Do? Do, uh, to keep up morale and all that. (laughs) Well, well, my co-pilot, lovely young boy, but terrified, half out of his wits, you know, nervous, terrified, I said to him, This one's going to take a long, hard pull. 
bad. For two hours. Two hours along with you, that boy deserves a purple heart. <laughs> well, it was purple, all right, but I don't think it was his heart. No, I'm like, why is she British all of a sudden? I don't know what's going on. But anyway, it all leads up right to the fucking centerpiece song of this movie, really. Which is stuff like that there. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. So this this is this is this is it. If I have to show you the movie, I'm gonna show you this whole sequence. Because yes, it's this sh- number it's shot unbelievably. Mm-hmm. It's choreographed. I don't just mean like Beth's performance, but the, like you said, the whole thing, even the men in the audience, the whole thing is perfectly timed, so lush, so beautiful. And she just rips into this number. It's bouncy. It's bouncy. It's bouncy. And she keeps describing it as that. She's like, oh, it's an up song. It's bouncy. Oh. It's bouncy. <laughs> and it is. And it's it's a total awesome Bet signature. I was alone on a shelf in a world by myself. Oh, where could my prince charming be? But a man came along, made my life like a song, and taught me these words of ecstasy tenderly. I want some hug and answer. You know, my love for Kelly Clarkson started with this song because she did it on American Idol. Oh, that's Just right. Me. She did in her season. She did it in her season. And she she's and when she went on tour, fan. she's a huge Bet Sand. And when she went on tour, she kept it. She kept that. That was one of the songs she kept from her American Idol to perform. Wow. And so in my mind, it was like me, you, and Kelly Clarkson not understanding this movie. The only but ones being, who love it. <laughs> but being totally in love with glamour and old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And this was what yes. this was our attachment to glamour and old Hollywood was this film. Because to me, this really was old Hollywood. Even watching mm-hmm. it, I was like, okay, this is my understanding of a classic Hollywood picture. Right here, right in this moment. Right. This stuff like that there. I want some kissing and some helping and some missing and some helping and some stuff like that there. I want some living and some chasing and some whooping and some pacing and some stuff like that there. And when I get a certain feeling, I confess it. There's really only one expression to express it. I want some hugging and some squeezing and some mugging. What happens? But the power gets cut out. And so then you're like, okay, what's going to, ooh, this is exciting. What's going to happen? And then she's, you know, then she makes our right, right, most famous down, jokes. <laughs> I know you know all of these lines. Just I know you know. This patter, this audience patter. It's the same thing that Mark Rydell did with the Rose. Is like letting, like bringing that Bette Midler we know on stage into a movie. Which is so exciting. So, so are we being attacked? I always like to know these things. And the charm, the charming, the just the mm-hmm. like the the and and her re- and and he yeah. knows exactly when to capture her reactions when they start applauding her and they cut back. Oh, I'm oop, 
I'm getting shivers. I might start crying. And they cut back to her and she just kind of has a little bit of a shock frown on her face. Like she wasn't expecting it. Like, oh, oh, you liked what I just did. Mm-hmm. You know, that like true give and take that's like mm-hmm. so bet that makes people feel so connected to her. And so, and you know, then so she makes some fun pitter patter and they're like, <laughs> to do in the dark honey and it ain't sing (laughs) (laughs) and that oh i mean i can't get over this when she walks up to the piano and goes yes i love you and i always thought like oh that's how you audition you just tell them your song in the key and they play it for you i i i i I still kind of okay so you don't you don't just walk up to the piano player and tell them the key and the key that the key that you sing it in you give them some 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 uh, sheet music that they've never fucking rehearsed. She doesn't even give him sheet music. Oh, she does. Oh, she just tells no. him the song. She, I mean, she just she tells him the song. the song. Tells him the class. Listen, she sounds incredible on this song. I, this is my I, this is my favorite part. Dear, I thought I'd drop a line. The weather's cool. The folks are fine. Yesterday we had some rain, but all in all, I can't complain. Was it dusty on the So, it's so beautiful. They all have these flashlights on her and it's, and she's crooning this just absolutely gorgeous ballad about a husband that's gone away and this wife that's left at home who, who, who's writing to him and doesn't know what to do. And she's walking around and right to the browns just as soon as you're able, they came around. And and making personal connections to each of these men. And a lot of these men, they're in the war. They're literally currently at war. And so they are in hospital beds and they're in wheelchairs and she's Mm -hmm. signing a cast and whoo, it's, it's absolutely stunning. Nothing else to tell you, dear, except each day. I mean, it's perfect. 
so it's such a beautiful sequence it's directed so beautifully all the men in that audience are so great and moved and respectful and they like they think she's beautiful but they also like it's it's just really really perfect and you know she's never better than when she's just crooning with a piano and it's so beautiful getting those two songs first getting billy dick and then getting that song and then instantly them going into another boom, song boom. What's happening? I really was. Literally, the gays are gasping there on the floor. And then the lights come back on and she finishes stuff like that there. Yeah. And then it's back into this like just outrageous that she does the the whole grand finale of that song. So it. And when I get a certain feeling, I confess it. There's really only one expression to express it. I want some hugging, squeezing, mugging, teasing, and some The most exciting part of the film, absolutely the most exciting part of that film, the best. And And then then we get into the rest of the film. Then Eddie Sparks like shits on her and he's an asshole. But more importantly, she changes into a green dress with pink (laughs) polka dots on. (laughs) And she and Loretta go to get a drink and Eddie is there. I mean, this is kind of the moment where Eddie, so they get in this fight um, because he's mad that she did dick jokes and he tells her she's fired. And so then finally Art like mediates and fixes it. So this is kind of a moment where we get to see a bit of his. He sings this song to her called I Apologize. If I told a lie, if I made you cry, when I said goodbye, I'm sorry. From the bottom of my heart, dear. I apologize. If I caused you pain, I know I'm to blame. Oh, I must have been insane. From the bottom of my heart, I apologize. Just relax and follow my lead. Yeah, right off the cliff. <laughs> Which is cute, you know. It's cute. I forgot about this. That's that's maybe something that I took out of my still by still frame of this. I kind of forgot that he he does do a little number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cute. And then they dance, and like the, there's an air raid, and everything's kind of falling around them. It's kind of beautiful. And that's the end of chapter one, which is the really good chapter of the movie. Right, right. And we set it up, right? Yeah. And, and Uncle Art is saying, You're going to be the next couple. You're going to be the next. Bigger than Burns and Allen, bigger Burns than Hope and, and Crosby. So we're going, yeah. like, the chemistry that you all have here, which I will say is not quite on the screen. No. The, the, the no. firework chemistry does not quite, uh, you know. But it is always Get Christmas ignited. in this movie, which you love. I do love. I do love. Yeah, I, we buried the lead. This isn't really a lead. But this is a great, this is a Thanksgiving movie. In my mind, I watched this movie while mom was ironing literally around Thanksgiving mm-hmm. time. This is a, mm-hmm. this is like, this came out in November. Oh my God, I have this poster. I just forgot I, ha- I owned this poster, bitch. Yeah. I own yeah, this poster. Did. Oh, wow. It was in the front of my bed. Oh my gosh. Oof. Oh, that means so much to me. Um, 
And yeah, and this movie just is true, true blue, the Thanksgiving to Christmas movie. I mean, absolutely. Without, how do you say it's Christmas without saying it's Christmas? Watch for the boys. Exactly. And then they, we transfer with Old Bet. She brings us into chapter two with a great iconic line. And how they loved him, those boys. Yeah, because because it goes yeah because because the con the kind of tale as all this time is that the framing is that it goes back to it, kind of to like change eras. It goes back to the ancient bet recanting yeah. recounting her time with Eddie Sparks, yes. and Act Two takes us to Africa, where good. we're still in. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a solid B act. Um. Uh, her husband is still in the war and they are continuing their USO tour and they're in Africa. And this time she's wearing these turquoise pants and this red head wrap. And I love, and then did you notice she changes into the same red dress as she wore in Billy Dick? Really? Yes. Which I love because also at the time, like, yeah, she's not a super famous singer yet. She has a couple dresses that she brought with her on this tour and that's what she's going to wear. You I know, love I love that eye. element. That's so smart. It's so good. And that dress is really good. We only got to see it for a little moment in the Billy Dick. So she wears this red dress again later. But this was my first, like, I did a little cry at Dreamland. This is my first big cry. Come rain or come shine? Yeah. So Eddie and his producer work it out so that Bet's husband shows up at this concert. And it starts when he's just in the audience and he starts screaming, Dixie, it's me, it's Michael. Dixie, it's me. And she, break, Bet breaks down and it's so, it kills me. They have chemistry. In their tiny note scene yes. where she's just singing to him, they have absolute chemistry. The way he looks at her, I was like, this actor is killing it with those eyes. Like he, he loves her. He it. cannot believe he's seen her. They Before this, they do a tap dance. And I don't know, this is just who gives a fuck. But on the side, I guess Bet and James Kahn, Mark Rydell had them take six weeks of tap dance lessons. Wow. They like every a nice day. little tap dance yeah. in it. Every day they were going to tap dance. And Beth said that she lost wow. 20 pounds. She was like, I looked terrible in a leotard. I was so embarrassed. But we really? both lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. Uh, but then she sings what I would call, what for me, I know that Judy's Come Rain or Come Shine is incredible. But for me, this is the quintessential Come Rain or Come Shine because of the level of emotion in it. Of the circumstance of the scene. I so wish this was on the album. This version of it? Yeah. This this is so much better than the album version. The album version's and fine. It's okay. The album version's very beautiful. But yeah, but this, this version is, is so moving. So insane. I'm gonna love you like nobody's loved you. Come rain or come shine High as a mountain Deep as a river Come rain or come shine And I guess when you met me It was just Let me 
I mean to see someone that like, you have to see your partner that you haven't seen for so long, who's literally, you know, risking their life and being able to, to surprise, see them and hold their hands. And of course, Eddie Sparks is setting this all up. He wants to get this on film. He's an yeah. entrepreneur and he is a manipulator mm-hmm. of emotion. So it's mm-hmm. like, and, and that's the character of Eddie is that he's always doing something for you, but doing something for him too, at the same time, doing something for, to, to also forward his career. So he's think so it's like his good deed right. is always a good deed with, with, with strings attached. You're gonna love me like, like nobody's loved me. Come rain or come shine. Happy together. I'm happy together. And won't it be So they, so she croons this song uh, while she's while she's holding her husband's hand, and it's it's totally gorgeous and beautifully shot. And then they fade out from this song. Boom! Boom! Funeral. Michael is dead. I was really taking in her funeral look this time. I was like, Oh, me too. Me too. You know, I'm on Fashion Patrol. It is so good. It's got that that high high button, just funeral, that black veil. Little Danny Leonard with his little yarmulke on. So sad. And then he has the rose. Of course, she works a rose into the movie. Oh yeah. Oh, her signature rose. Oh. It's so, I mean, and then, and then you kind of see Eddie come up to her son and you realize like, oh, he's going to turn into a father figure Oh, because now daddy is dead and we can get to the real flirt on between Eddie and Dixie, which is exactly what happens because they start a variety show on television, the Eddie Sparks and Dixie Leonard comedy hour, which are some of my biggest skips on this soundtrack. Oh, this is such a no. This is such a no, no needed. You you don't need to have this. Put more other songs on there. Just just keep with the era and do do your period piece songs. We don't need this like weird, funny ditty. It doesn't do anything at all. It was it you know it's it was written it was um a John Mercer song. It was it's a take on a John Mercer song that she also covers, and Mm -hmm. uh, it was written by her and Mark Shaman. They, you know, mm-hmm. they, they add these lyrics, but, but it's, it's total filler. This is the part where my little heart was like, oh, I, I, I can't follow this movie. I don't know what's happening. And oh, really when they have the, when they're doing their TV show. I know as a kid, as a kid, mm-hmm. as a kid, I remember being like, this is a war movie and now it's not. And right. I don't know what's going on. And I do just kind of feel like this, the, 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 the threading of the needle starts losing it here. It right, right, kind right. of starts trying to go 
go it's go a little bit all over the place and they can't quite connect everything even though the scene the scene is fun and it's and it kind of works but from here on out it's you know what it feels like a lot from here on out that we're missing something we're missing some major thing that needs to happen to to glue this all together yeah, but it's also exciting for me because it's this very kind of 50s vibe and Bette has this amazing Scheherazade costume on in which she says, Meryl, who am I supposed to be? Scheherazade. Well, I look like Sabu on a bad night. <laughs> but uh, oh, another... I love scene. this scene. This is when she reprimands Danny. Oh. My God, is she giving. Please excuse Danny from school tomorrow as he has to visit his aunt in Connecticut. Signed, Dixie Leonard. Very good, the Connecticut detail. Gives it real authenticity, only Connecticut is spelled with two N's. How about this one? To visit his father's grave in Washington, D.C. How could you? And this one, and this one! Miss Leonard, get out, get out! Now listen to me. I finally found who it is who plays Michael Leonard. It's Arliss Howard who's quite a famous actor and he's not credited in the movie. And that's why it took me a minute. Sorry. That's why I kind of like disappeared for a little while. And you know what movie he's in to bring it all back to Nicole Kidman, the lost world, Jurassic park, the exact film that Nicole Kidman is watching at AMC. I have to look him up because he was giving me also all the vibes. So he's great. You'll know him. Exactly. I know him. And I know he's that name. Full metal jacket. And there's Mank not that many people named Arliss Howard. So no, but that's, I bet that's why bet wanted it. Cause she wanted that instant connection. She was like, we need a really good actor to do a very small role. Right. You know, that's and very who, cool that he did that. And who knows this? Like I said, this movie doesn't have all the glue. I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a couple movies in here that maybe ended up on the chopping room floor where they were trying to kind yeah. of to threat, make the narrative happen. And I kind of would imagine that, that he might've had some, some uh, scenes cut. This could have been a mini series. If we did proper mini series at this time, Back then, like if exactly. we had, you know, if Beth was still <gasps> this age and we could turn this into like a <sighs> thing, like one season would be world war two. One season would be the 1950s. One season would be Korea. You know what I mean? Oh, but you know who we do get to meet in this moment is Eddie Sparks' wife. And two daughters, which I think is kind of a thing where it's like he has three a, daughters. Three daughters. He has a wife and three daughters. And I think it's really kind of, you know, and I think that there's like there's a thing there as to why he wants a son and kind of to bond mm -hmm. with the son because he's such this like jackass of a man, you know, like yeah, he says that objects. too. He's like my my wisdom was meant for a son. Right. Yeah, but it, she's um, Margaret Sparks is played by Shannon Wilcox, and babe, this is who I imagine whenever you say the Baroness of Vodka. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow! Like, like a kind of steely, like, mm -hmm. like. Oh, is she drunk or is she just slurry and quiet? <laughs> you know, kind <laughs> of like side eyeing when me. We first, when we first meet her, and they're pouring her like straight vodka into a glass, and mm. the guy tries to stop pouring it, and she indicates she's like, no, no, more, 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 more. <laughs> <laughs> they end their show with their iconic duet number, which we finally get to see a little bit more of Eddie called I Remember You. And it's very cute. And in this time watching it, I was so just completely charmed by all of Bette's jokes. The I Remember You Dixie's Dream version mm -hmm. of it. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. I remember you. I'd like to say that you're, you're the one. In who made my dreams come true You're usually dead 
a few Without a head This is a go And lots of natives are picking their teeth with your bones I remember too Oh, what a, a dream distant bell It comes at night and taunts and me stars that And fell. like your jokes, it haunts me until I'm blue as your face as the last breath leaves you When my life is through I'll jump for joy And, and the angels ask me to recall Who's a chump and a heel The thrill of it all Who's the biggest schlemiel Then I will tell them I remember She wrote this with Mark Shaman. She wrote these jokes. Yeah. So Bet obviously clearly loves this material and just thinks it's absolutely hysterical. It is hysterical. And then when they're live on the air, because they have to fill two minutes. So they're live on the air and he commits them to doing a USO tour in Korea without asking Bet, to which she replies. As long as we're talking about helping the boys, I think now would be a good time to share with everyone the magnificent gesture that this man made today. Oh, no, really, really, there's a time for speaking out and a time to be modest. And I know that all your fans will be delighted to know that earlier today, Eddie made a personal contribution to the International Red Cross of $100,000. What a guy! He's like, you couldn't say $100,000? And she goes, you couldn't say $50,000. You're lucky I didn't say a million. It's, starting, it's setting up the fact that uh, <laughs> that Bette does not want to go continue to go to war because she's already lost her husband to, the, to a war. And she doesn't exactly. want to go to another one, which this, this war is the Forgotten War, a war that I know absolutely little to nothing about. Um, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, when I watched this as a young child, I was like, I don't understand the world. It just seems in constant chaos right now. So they go to Korea and this is kind of one of the big, this is when you really first see true war. This is a real nineties version of war. This was reminding me of wow. when we did the um, Glenn Close war movie. Remember when they were doing Margaret, the Margaret Havermeyer movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Marguerite. Yeah. When they, this is so obviously this, these shots of Korea, like in the San Fernando Valley, yeah. <laughs> They're in Bakersfield right now. They're like literally in one of the valleys in California. Fog machine um, realness is happening to obscure man. a lot of things. There's like some set pieces. And then Bet legit, I had forgotten that she legit gets thrown into an actual combat moment where she is helping a wounded soldier. And there is like a blood cannon that gets shot in her face. Okay, I forgot about the blood cannon, but this, this again, I keep talking about my young heart because, I like I said, this imprinted on me watching this as a child. Like, this yeah. imprinted on me as being like, I am seeing things I don't understand, and Bet will teach me about them. History. And she's a history, history teacher as she's well as a diva. She really is our history teacher. Y'all think we're <laughs> fucking with you, but, like, everything comes from this source. This is truly my Bible. Like, I still reference everything from from my from my our obsession like, with Bette Midler. I was like, this is Wonder Woman 1955. Yo, you know how she, Wonder Woman goes through every war? This is Bet as Wonder Woman. When that blood canyon spritzes her face. <laughs> I was like, what the only time you see Bette Midler's face covered in blood, because she didn't do misery. <laughs> But and so she's cause she cause it's all 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 hell is broken loose, and so they're asking her to uh, put pressure on this wound. And she mm -hmm. continues to hold it up until this guy, up until one of the soldiers is like, you can let go. He's dead. And she had no to idea. To which she says, to which she says, 
But she does it with her back turned and uh-huh. which I think is so fucking smart and devastating to me. Uh, like she just everything. kind of like folds down in and, and, and it's in that scene that you, that you, that, you know, it's real hand fisted. Mark Riddell is not a, um, subtle, subtle director. No, but you, but it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's Dixie Leonard's first realization. What the fuck is going on here? That it's mm-hmm. that people are actually just like senselessly dying. Mm-hmm. And it sets up and it sets up probably inappropriately trauma for her and Eddie Sparks too. But this is my favorite line. This is my fucking favorite what? line. After go- this. this sets up the, like I said, this traumatic experience that they both go through witnessing actual war and they, and Eddie's like, I can't be alone. He's like, I can't be alone. Uh, and he manipulates our Dixie Leonard to go uh, and sleep with him, have a night together. And he, she wakes up and she realizes like, oh, I got fucking played. A bunch of guys got killed and we got laid. Am I missing something? Sorry, you feel like that. You'll get over it. Something about a bunch of guys got laid. A bunch of guys got killed and we got laid. There's something to me so, such a staple to me just about war, how we just exist mm. around a bunch of people just casually dying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and where it's like, oh, like, how can we kind of keep going about our day-to-day lives when such atrocities are happening? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and the kind of the, I'll just read it now. There's a really great net, um, Newsweek article. It's like half review, half introduction of the film. Do you remember when things would do that? Where they would like kind of break down the origins oh, of movies of. and then review it kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, but the end of that article says this. For a big glitzy Hollywood entertainment, Rydell's movie opens a surprising number of wounds and warns us to suspect the very glamour it revels in. It's no small accomplishment. But... I love that. I love that. I love it's, that too. That it's not that this isn't just Wait, it some. Says, it says it, it causes you to suspect this very glamour that it revels in, and warns us to suspect the very glamour it revels mm. in. And I really think, like, oh, that 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 there is a thread in that movie. Again, it's it's they don't quite capitalize it on it enough, but it's very much there, and it's very well, much in like this earlier... isn't just we're not celebrating war here, folks. No, there's an earlier part in that scene too, where you get a little glimpse at Uncle Art. They have this uh, gossip columnist coming with them to Korea um, named Luana Trot, which is one of the great villain names of all time. She's played by an actress named Rosemary Murphy, who was in the original To Kill a Mockingbird, um, Diva News. And Uncle Art at the beginning when they get off of the truck in Korea, Luana just can't believe the poverty all around them. And Uncle Art is like, they got no shoes, lady. And you realize that Art is a communist or has communist sympathies. And uh, Eddie Sparks has to warn him to not talk that loudly about it. And then you realize like, oh, this is where like the whole Red Scare is starting, all of this stuff in Hollywood. It really does like touch on a lot of these things. It's a little Antifa, this film. You can't make an industry out of performing for the war because this was an industry. Yeah. And also critique the war itself. Like you can't do that. It doesn't go hand in hand. 
No, it's really hard because there's all this kind of blind patriotism to whatever war we're in. Like our job is just to support and entertain the troops. We did it all for the boys. Like this idea when you, and so you kind of watch Dixie Leonard through the movie become more and more disillusioned with this idea that they're doing. I mean, around that quote, you said, I, it made me think Dixie, Bet does create a character. It's not just Bet being Bet. And it's a very specific character. And she is so, Dixie's defensiveness, her humor, her deep humility in this movie are all on display. And it's really specific and very consistent from the Dixie we meet in her late 30s to the Dixie we know in her late 80s. And it's an amazing portrait that Bet makes in this movie. And it's really no small feat. Oh, yeah. Like I said, every... Bet is so assured in this that it sails through the some of the rougher parts of this film because yes. Bet's through line is so clear and so specific, mm-hmm. yes, and so dynamic. Um, but again, it, I, I wish I wish more. I I wish more. Even though this movie is so long, I want. I mean, I'm happy with this movie up until the end of this act. We're getting to my favorite scene, possibly one of my favorite scenes in cinema history. <laughs> this is what Nick is our obsessed with. We call this her Oscar scene. We were obsessed with thinking that this was what they played at the Oscars for. <sighs> like we were obsessed. We could have talked about this scene forever. Nick loves to quote this scene. I literally, you can go onto our Instagram stories from like two Christmases ago and I play this entire scene. It's on our highlighted stories. So go and enjoy it. If you haven't seen any of this movie, you'll see that. But this big centerpiece of this movie. Okay, wait, I'm going to pause you here. You got to set up what she's wearing because this is the everything. This is the Christmas dress. It's a green green dress and it's a dress that she actually goes on to wear. I think in a lot of concerts, like I think she's wearing this in the, she wears that uh, cut. She wears a cut. This cut. Yes. The same cut. It's like got the big kind of poofy skirt and then the very tight bustier with her boobs just pushed way up and then a high collar and a little short capped sleeve over her shoulders. And her hair is all up and it's a Christmas party with all of these dignitaries, admirals, generals, plus her like sponsors from the network for her TV show. And Uncle Art is to play Santa Claus. Well, they all make Eddie Sparks fire Uncle Art for being a fucking commie right before the party. So Uncle Art comes in, gives presents out to everybody at the party. As Santa. He's dressed as Santa. As Santa Claus. And he... The last one is to Eddie Sparks and he gives him his typewriter that he wrote his first joke on. And that's when Dixie realizes what happened, that her uncle Art was fired for his political beliefs and Bet goes fucking apeshit. Roll the tape. Roll the tape. May I have this dance? You can go fuck yourself. Come here. Come here. You know, we got going here. Millions. Three years you couldn't die. You want to give it away because he wants to live in Russia? What the hell did he do? Sign a petition? Read a few magazines? You don't understand. These guys control the network. He's your friend. Tell him to go to hell. What can they do to you? What do you know? I'm not coming suicide for order anyway. You got it? You are so full of shit. You're worse than they are. Who did this? Who did this? Was it you, Luana? You smug bitch. Did you put my uncle's name on a list, huh? Did you? Did you? What are you smiling at? You did! I know you did! Or you, Sam, was it you? Or you? Or you? Or you? You! Who's next, fellas? 
Rudolph? Ooh, he's got a red nose, too. We can't be too careful. Hey, I got a great idea. Let's form a club. Everybody who joins gets the button. I got screwed by Eddie Sparks. Don't worry, Eddie. She doesn't mean it. It's okay, Come son. on, we're going home. It's okay, son. She's just tired. Look at him. Look at him. See who he really is. This man threw your Uncle Art out like a piece of garbage. You want to grow up to be like him? Sure. Turn your wife into a drunk. You okay, people Eddie. up like paper cups okay. and throw them away. And he's going to throw you away, too. It's okay, son. That's going to be in my ears as I'm passing away to heaven. Is you saying that line? Did you use smug bitch? Was it you, Luana? (laughs) Did you put my uncle's name on a list? Did you? Oh, it's so good. It's such a, such an amazing fight scene. It's so incredible. It's, they just let her unleash. And Dixie is just, like I said, she has integrity and she says like, fuck the network, fuck my career. You know, that's not important to me. What's important to me is my family, and I don't want another one dead. Well, now let's move into chapter four, really the most problematic chapter of the movie. If they would have cut 35 minutes out of this chapter, I'd have been a happy little clown. Well, it's not just cutting this. Okay, it's it's the jump. It's the jump that is so jarring because everything is still in the same time and it, it maybe moves forward. Like it moves, I mean, it literally doesn't just move the story forward, but chronologically in time it goes forward. And then we go from this scene when we see Bet, the way that uh-huh. she is, the way that she's kind of consistently looked to boom little danny boy is graduating from the um citadel the citadel (laughs) and she is totally different so for 10 years we have no idea what has happened i mean she she she, they really age her up they don't we do know what happened i mean i i was so sad when she was like i did dinner theater i did repertory Uh theater i was like this is so sad i know but she opens this little this little jazz club called dixie's and uh, LA. Riddle me this. Wearing, Riddle she's me wearing this. the sequins jacket and she looks like she's about mm, 70, but they, you wish they just hit this, this first look at her. She looks better in Vietnam. It makes more sense her age, but this first look really, they kind of overshot the age makeup in this. Yeah. They could have toned it down and okay, here's what I want you to riddle. Do you, okay. So there's only, yeah, there's only one real track. Because everything else is played on this movie or on the credits. There's only one real track that's not. Um, for all we know. For all we know. And I kind of think that this might have been the for all we know moment. Well, they played it. They, they play it underneath. They're playing it underneath um, James Caan and, and Bet in the scene. They're doing like a funky jazz version of for all we know underneath right. them as they have this reunion. I, I think I, I needed bought that for the first time. Oh, see, I didn't catch that. I... I we, really needed a song moment to, to, to be in there. So beautiful. It's such a beautiful, it's my favorite track on this entire album is her version of for all we know. I think it's some of the most masterful phrasing in her career. For we know we may
Staple song, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a chestnut. Everyone does for all we know. So you can kind mm-hmm. of you you can swing a cat and hit all the divas versions of for all we know. And Bet really is super 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 lush on this. I want to say nostalgic, but it it's very much um. There's a longing and a and a kind of looking back. Mm-hmm. In for all we know. Love the, the production of these songs up into um, the last song, the Diane Warren song, is mm-hmm. I think so wonderful. They don't put oh. any uh, they they really keep it so classic, and they don't try to jam it up with any of the '90s kind of tools that they had. No, they exactly they don't oversynthesize it until that last number, which we'll get to. But this track is so beautiful. Also, I heard a line in this scene that I'd never heard before, which when she's talking to Uncle Art at the bar, she says, America, the land of the feet. Yes, this is truly. I think this this part I, I, I in the writer's room. OK, so this this movie went through 41 drafts. 41. This movie was re, uh, wow. was. Was they, they, that's how long they were trying to get the we get this one. I guess that someone. I read somewhere 200 possible endings. Oh, what? You can show wow. that to the ending. Well, um, Marshall Brickman wrote the the script. I mean, he has one of the script credits, and he was one of uh, the big Woody Allen writers and collaborators. He did Annie Hall. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, he kind of took – he kind of took – he added humor, and he added a lot of the kind of um, – kind of punched up the Dixie parts, the bet, you know, kind of make more bet. Uh, but I kind of think that this is truly the part where they really wanted to show how disillusioned Bet was and how kind yeah. of down and out she was and how against kind of the in, the 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 military complex that she was a part of that she's started her career. She seriously hates it and she's not even having it. And I was like, fuck, Dixie Leonard really, really does not 
does not care for America at this point. Talking about this scene is more interesting than the actual scene because it sags, but it is really interesting that Eddie comes back into her life to manipulate her yet again, to uh, Mm -hmm. be part of something. And because her son is now fighting for the Vietnam Vietnam. War. And so he's like, Hey, you want to come out and you get to see Danny. Like, come here and you get to you get to literally I will reunite you with your son who you desperately are scared for and want to see. And she she literally is like she literally is like, fuck you for doing this again to me. I know. Like I know. this is evil. Like I but I can't re- I can't say no because I can't say no to the opportunity to actually be able to be with my child. And, you know, the fucking, this fucking section of the movie is pretty evil, too. They go to Vietnam. I almost didn't watch this. Take a helicopter. I didn't, actually. You didn't? Not the end. Oh, the end bit is so hard. I did. So they go to Vietnam. I mean, the main reason to watch this is Bet does a song in Vietnam that's amazing. But you know why this is so long is because it's Mark Rydell's son. Yes, such a snack. Christopher right Such a snack, but just like, why are you... Fo- I mean, I get that Danny is a big part of the movie and everything, but it is so focused on Danny right now, and this section really stretches out way too long because Mark Rydell is giving his son like some sort of Oscar chance or something. But Bet does get around to singing a song, which is great. I mean, Eddie Sparks, again, classically doesn't entertain anybody, and she sings, <laughs> she sings the Beatles in my life. And um, this is this is my favorite. It's so beautiful. And she has a great quip beforehand where the boys all say, she always gets hit, mama. I would, Sonny, but you'd probably have a heart attack. I... This to me is bet obviously hearing a song and knowing that it, she can turn it because you know mm-hmm. the Beatles version of this is really upbeat uh, and happy, and she hears the actual long. The, I could keep saying longing in this episode, but she really hears the kind of the devastating part of this track, mm-hmm. and this section's a mess. But this see this this part right here is the most affecting to me of all of the wars of actual performing for the, the war songs and the devastation. Yeah. There are places I remember all my life. Though some have changed, some forever, not for better, and some have gone. And some remain All these places Have their moments With lovers and friends I still can recall Some are dead And some are living In my life I love Because it's kind of glamorous in the beginning, you know, when, when she's forming for the troops in London. But this is this is just true. They're just truly being down and desperate. And you and he does again does a great shot of seeing how moved everyone is to have this woman kind of reach out and acknowledge them and acknowledge their heartache. She's like the, all their mother at this point. She's their mother. Though I know I'll never ever lose affection. 
and then she holds up a peace sign at the end and everyone oh. just kind of silently holds up the peace sign and then it all goes to hell and it's a total mess. Thankfully, but, thankfully, the Vietnamese army waited until the end of her number to attack this uh, they, I, that was enclave. Nice. They, yeah, that was they, nice of them, wasn't it? They needed, but to. there's this whole there's this whole attack on the thing with this crazy electric guitar solo that happens. That you know what? It's I like that on. electric guitar solo. This section used to make me feel so butch as a kid. I was like, whoa! I like action movies. Um, yeah, the, yeah it's, with, because it does go full. Action. Metal jacket. It goes full Arnold Schwarzenegger metal jacket, like explosions people everywhere. Screaming, people dying. The go go girl. Playing... When the go go girl died, I was haunted. 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 But they're playing a riff on Dreamland. Really? It's Dreamland that they're playing. It's like there's a place, but they're doing like a riff on it. On it's like if Jimi Hendrix covered Dreamland, which I was a little bit like. Mm, it's funky. About, it's so funky. It's funky donkey. Um, but then you know what? We end up back with old Bette Midler and Okay, Ari sorry, Gross. Danny dies. Oh, Danny dies. Yes, they lost Danny. She she dies um, in her arms. It's really that's the part where I found I, I stopped it and I thought, I'm not gonna do this. I really can't. I cannot do this. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna yeah. watch a mother watching her son die in her arms in a fucking war when she went to go perform for him. I can't do this. I just I couldn't yeah. handle it. Not with my diva. It's a know. lot. It's a lot. Um, but they go back to the 90s, and she has this beautiful line where she says, The thing you want to avoid is outlasting everybody. <gasps> now that, I couldn't do that. I can't deal with that. I mm. cannot. I can't deal with that. I can't deal with mm. that. I can't even talk about faction, it. She brings you down, and then she makes you laugh, because she does. And that better be a stretch limo out there, young man, or you're in deep shit. Yes, ma'am. Well, again, well, he 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 goes and he's like, she she just like poured her out heart out to me. He calls the production company where they're shooting this achievement yeah. award ceremony that he's trying to get her to attend. And he's like, you know what? Never mind. She's too fragile. And he comes back in and she's he can't find her. And he thinks maybe like all of these wounds that have opened up, she's going to commit suicide. And so he's like pounding on the bathroom door oh, that's trying door, to push it. <laughs> and what does she say when and then she appears in the doorway in this elegant and I this was something that I didn't clock um Balenciaga dress it's Balenciaga, Balenciaga. and uh-huh. what, and then what does she say about the door which is to me I think another quote that you it opens out genius <laughs> and, oh, then, and then the ma- this ending such a damn mess and then this ending I mean it's interesting she wants to confront Eddie about Danny and about their whole life together. And she has this whole dream. I mean, I'm not going to play all this stuff. It's a long movie. But the, <laughs> fucking, but the fucking line that kills me. I'm obsessed you that you're like, I'm not going to play this. Want. It's a long movie. And we are almost, we're getting close to talking about it as <laughs> at the same as amount. Long of as, the movie. as long as a damn movie. Well, listen. Listen, listen. our podcast. That's what podcasts are for. But when she says, you know that line where she goes, Fuck on her, I want my son back! Oh, that's when I was like, Dixie is fucking Antifa. 
Because she's like, what difference does it make? All these people were just people. What are these? I was like deeply in my feelings about like, what are nation states? Why are we all fighting each other? What does this mean? Like people just want to live with their fucking families and their children and fucking survive it. Also, you know, we were, you know, we were, we were sending, we were putting on a bow to send them out to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. Do you know we were cheering them up to go and die, and right. we were That's we what were she realizes you were, we're taping complicit. this, and and right. the whole nation was complicit. We made this seem like it was a good thing. You know, even when um the Desert Storm came out, when they were taping this, there was they had that you know they had that um American song come out, and I'm proud to be an American, which right. is like we're proud to be this to, to keep killing our boys. Like this is part of our history of america and we're and the spin is that it's an accomplishment it's a good thing to go and fight these international wars right and then bet's song from a distance that she puts out is kind of the opposite of that being like which is her gulf war anthem but which is all about like there's no difference between any of us it's it's funny and I, i i just think of this now there when in the 90s when she would be interviewed about her bathhouse days she was really from her perspective during that time when she was witnessing this absolutely true pandemic, um, mm-hmm. she said, you know, I, I think I did a lot of good. I hope I did a lot of good and I hope it didn't cause this. She felt kind of, she didn't, she, she couldn't tell if she was complicit in the scene that she was a part of in, you know, you know, the bathhouses, right, which the bath- was a yeah. space mm-hmm. for rampant sex. So she, she felt she had this kind of duality inside of herself because of what she believed it led to, which is not true. I do not believe that's true at all <laughs> as a queer gay person, but it's, it's kind of, I feel like she's bringing some of that, that, um, uh, that kind of sentimentality to this film of right, like, do we right. actually do good? Should we actually be honored for this? Mm-hmm. I know it's, you know, if, in my rewrite of this movie. Um, so in the movie, Eddie ends up going out on stage by himself because she refuses to go out and then he's foundering and he kind of finds a way to an apology to her. And so he, she goes out there to kind of save him and it ends with the two of them on stage together. And she gives this beautiful speech, which I think like really shows Bet's boundless humanity. You know, it's so sensitive and gorgeous and about what it means to be a person rather than a star and it's really, it's just so beautiful to me. But if I was to rewrite the movie, I would have had Dixie Leonard march out of that place <laughs> and just sit in the parking lot and smoking cigarettes by herself. <laughs> That's what I would have done. Uh-huh. But I'm not Mark Rydell. Shit. But that's the movie, folks. And then it ends with a fucking we want a class of a, a song that I would call like a Bette Midler credit song, which she's known for this is not a perfect song but this is gonna be forever my song that i link to you i feel like it's truly Mm. about our friendship Mm. i think this is really our friendship theme song like if i was doing a bet midler tribute and you were in the audience i would sing this directly at you (laughs) oh babe (laughs) oh friend here we are after all the years and tears and all It feels so good to see you looking back in time. There have been other friends and other loves, but no other one like you. Oh.
many places, seen so many faces, always on my way to something new. It's a Diane Warren joint. I got really obsessed. I was reading Diane Warren's a real misanthrope. Did you know that? Yeah. Like she is kind of like in her true blue life. She's like anti-love. She's like, I actually just put that all in my songs. And I I I don't know. I went down deep on a Diane my a Diane Warren fest because she supposedly, babe, has this office that she's had that has that no one has entered in 16 years. And she claims to have never moved a single thing during that time. So it's this hoarded dusty office in which she locks herself in and does all of her work. Like she's, she is my genius obsessed. And I, and so the, Mm. uh, this was, this was one of the other one that uh, Bet did of Diane Warren is moonlight dancing. But this is like, to me, a real classic Diane Warren end credit, classic Bet end credit song. She was trying to come from Wind Beneath My Wings. In Stella, there's a song called One More Cheer, which you can't get unless you have the DVD of the movie Stella, like I do. It's like not released. Hunchback of Notre Dame, you have God Help the Outcast. One True Friend, um, you have One True Friend. One True Thing. One True Thing. My One, one True, true friend. friend. She loves to be on a credits of a movie. She... Um, Home Alone, once Home Alone Part Two. Biatch, I just heard that being covered. By who? I cannot remember. I have to look it up. But I just heard someone for the first time actually sing somewhere in my memory for their Christmas album. And I was like, oh, it might have been Darren Cross. I think it's Darren. Disgusting Darren Cross. I shouldn't say disgusting. I think it's Darren Cross. Darren Chris. Chris, whatever. I'm really mispronouncing a lot of names right now. (laughs) That's okay. You haven't podcasted in like five months. Um, I'm looking up his very, a very Darren Christmas. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, he sings it with Evan Rachel Wood. How delightful. (laughs) Um, But, um, okay. I have a game for you for the boys game. Y'all are lucky. We're giving you a long episode for Thanksgiving. Shit. Just put this on when your uncle starts talking about Fox news. (laughs) Yeah. Blast, blast this crazy shit. Like in the middle of your family's. Hectic. If you could recast Eddie Sparks, who would you cast? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't really have anyone good, but I kind of thought like, wouldn't it be, so she's reuniting with Mike Rydell. I could, I think it would be kind of fun to reunite with Richard Dreyfuss. 
Mm-mm. I'm what? Antifa that. You're Antifa? Antifa? You're Antifa? Why? He's Mr. Holland's opus. I feel like he can schmarmy and... Well, it doesn't matter. They don't sing. He doesn't sing. Okay. You, you want to be blown away by my list? Okay. You, I'm going to give you my list in order from worst idea to best idea. Okay. Wait. Worst idea this means is my, like, this, this is the darkest thing you could think of? No, no, no. They're all good ideas, but I'm going to save my my really two <laughs> amazing ones for the end. Yes. Okay. So here we go. John Travolta. No, Lord. No, no. You, that's your- Warren Beatty. You're nuts. Warren Beatty. Okay. Yes. Richard Gere, a little too young at this time. John Travolta is way too young, mama. Way too young. Gene Wilder. is psychotic, but yeah, that's a psychotic choice. Okay, it's and fun, then my top actually. two, my top two, Mandy Patinkin. Too young. Way too young, baby. You're guessing the young studs of the 1990. Or Robin Williams. Okay, two, baby. Well... Robin Williams is Beth's age. They are absolutely peers. Actually, I love He's that. Maybe like a little. Wouldn't he be amazing? That. Hmm. And if they had really thought about that from the beginning and made this like a two-person narrative, like Movie, a proper yeah, two-person like a, perspective of like him trying to him really trying to spin all of these plates and and kind of mm-hmm. do it in a misguided way and her getting sucked into that and traumatizing her life and how yeah. like the clash of two different perspectives really, really made it about two people instead of one. Right. Cause this movie is about one person. And they would have done that with Robin Williams, the star power. There would have been like, we have to, yes. we have to pump this role up and then, Oh, okay. There we go. We have a new, Wouldn't new that be amazing. Hot? Yeah. I know, and he could. Robin Williams also could sing. He could dance. He like really has like a, a song and dance man vibe. But he know? also has just the general charisma that draws the Ugh. entire audience to him. Where you're like, oh yeah, he would make an entire room of rowdy soldiers uh, pay attention to what he has Absolutely. to say. Absolutely, it would have been very, very, very moving. So that was my that's my casting list. That's my cast. They would have had to age him though, so it would have been like bet and him like like really like slapping on the prosthetic, like the 1990 prosthetics because James Conn looks old. Like he looked old and continued to look old. Like throughout yeah. the film. Um, Robin Williams is five years younger than bet. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a thing. So, I mean, you know, but that's okay. I mean, James Conn is a, this isn't going to happen anyways. So this is just not going to happen. RIP Robin. Yeah. Also, you know, you have to think if like bet wanted somebody who was of equal power to her, or if she wanted it to be her movie, you know, it's just kind of an interesting thought, you know? Right. I don't know. Okay. We have one more thing to talk about with everybody. We're going to end with it. Oh, Oh, wait. Hold on, cut that, Nick, before I go to there. Also, the awards whole situation for this, Bet won the Golden Globe and lost the Oscar, for which I was mad at Jodie Foster about for at least 10 years. I know, we really thought that Jodie stole this. And as we, like... Uh, understood what was happening and that no one liked this movie and that she didn't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning for it. They really gave her a nomination and were like, good try. We love you. I mean, you should, it's devastating. She does a devastating Golden Globe speech in which she's breaking down and is just like, thank you for acknowledging this film. It has not been acknowledged at all. I have like literally sacrificed so much of me to create this project and 
just thank you for even paying attention to this. So I, I at least feel really glad that again, she got it. She did get a, the second nomination. Like I still feel very warm in my heart that they again, acknowledge. Oh, me too. Me too. And what a year this year was. It was, it was Thelma and Louise and Laura Dern for the rambling Rose, Jodie Foster for a very well-deserved win for the silence of the lambs one of the greatest films of all time. I mean, and the people who weren't nominated were like Kathy Bates for fried green tomatoes. Like there's, it was an incredible year uh, Alfred Woodard for Passion Fish. Like it was an amazing year of actresses in the movies. And so I'm very glad that was nominated. Thank you, everyone who did that for her. It's so funny. There's such a time. This is, this really is a definitive time for me. This, like, because I probably watched it like a year or two later. I, I, I'm, I'm imagining I watch this in 92. Mm-hmm. Or 93. Or 93. Maybe. And I literally will like go onto my computer on, onto the YouTubes and type in Christmas 1992 and just see whatever it gives me so that I can like try and find mm. a fantasy and return back to mm. that time period. Mm. It's kind of why I love Home for the Holidays because it looks in my mind like the, the thing I remember. Like our Christmases did. Yeah. We and it was, re- and it was, it was just, it was when things were alive and new that we always talk about. And we were really impressionable. Mm -hmm. And this was like seeing something for the very first time, experiencing something for the very first time. And that's why everything was Bette Midler. Everything we did was just experiencing through Bette Midler's projects for the very first time. I know. I know. And I love, I mean, I still as shitty as the fourth and fifth chapters of this movie are, I still love it. I still think everyone should watch it. It's like three 99 to rent on wherever. It's so good. It's such a Christmas movie. You can watch it with your mom and your aunts. They'll love it. Did I ever tell you that Billy got this soundtrack for his sister for like, he remembers it very specifically. She was having a really bad year and he like, like got this CD for her for Christmas that year. And it was everything to her. And she listened to it all the time. You recorded this on one side of a cassette. That's when you could get like the double extra long tape cassettes. So you could put a lot on there. And one side was for the boys and maybe another half of the side was for the boys. And then, uh, maybe it was, uh, I can't remember what else you put on after that, but you, but that's my, I remember holding in my hands, the tape you made for me from four of the boys. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause you had the movie and I had the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That was how it went. That's how we, we split up. We split up. We, there was a division of labor even then. And shared and then shared. Um, Hey, let's keep like talking to give everyone the longest episode ever. Um, we're going to end with some big diva news, which is coming up which is Bet's fucking Kennedy Center honor is happening on December the 4th of this year of our goddess 2021. How do we feel about that? That's in two weeks from when we're taping. Um, long overdue. Mm-hmm. Nervous about who's going to perform. Mm-hmm. Who's your dreams? What are your dreams? Well, I've already mentioned my two divas because I know that they absolutely adore her, would do anything for her. So I hope that hip gets replaced really quick. Pink. Pink mm-hmm. is a huge fan of Bette Midler's, and so is Kelly. What would now, you want Pink to say? Kelly has already performed last year for Garth Brooks, and her performance was amazing. Oh. So I don't know if she's going to come back. They're going to have her come back again. Um, Unfortunately, because we are so deep, they're going to prop. There's like a, a handful of songs that they're going to do of Bette's The Rose. Uh, went beneath my wings. How many Boogie songs Woogie do they Bugle do? Boy. How many songs do they do per person? Two to three. Two, maybe just two. <sighs> two to three. Okay. Like what? Right. The the shares thing was. Um, I think Cindy Lauper and Adam Lambert. So that's what I, that's the ones Carol that I remember. King was Aretha Franklin and anyone else? Did anyone else do for Carol? I'm sure, but I don't remember. 
So right, I'm going to guess there's going to be the rose, and I'm going to guess there's going to be from a distance. Or be- Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. Someone's going to come out or and do Or Wind Beneath My Wings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Adele doing Wind Beneath My Wings would be everything. Adele is a huge bet stand. She's also like, it's like a, a historic moment where she could like aretha eyes herself. I was thinking Adele, but you know that girl ain't got no time. That girl ain't got no time for Kennedy Center honors. That girl has nothing but time. If she doesn't want to do anything, she just disappears for five years. She's not doing a Las Vegas residency, I guess. I guess that was like possibly in the works, but mm-hmm. no. No, I'm glad she's not. She's keeping it she's keeping it real Christian. I would I would live live high if it was Celine did it. Talk about our residency queen. Oh I man, would... if Celine came on and did Wind Beneath My Wings. Okay, these are yeah, I the have I told you my dreams. I want Brandy Carlisle to do hello in there. Okay. Wow. Which won't Not happen because Brandy <laughs> Carlisle will sing for Joni probably because you know Brandy's been doing these concerts of blue. No. Oh no. Mm-mm. She did it at Carnegie Hall on my birthday and I couldn't get tickets. Well, Brandy Carlisle singing blue, which is amazing. Huh? Um, but that's a dream huh? of mine. And another dream of mine would be Lizzo doing Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I would live for that. I think that would yeah. be so... I think that Lizzo has a lot of bet energy, a lot of just that super positive, <gasps> funny irreverence. I think I might be onto something. What? Well, because since Cynthia Revo is doing the remake of The Rose, she might come oh, out to that's honor the true. queen. She might come out. That's to true. Honor the she queen. might come out to do the rose. She and my, that that's just good. That's just good. That's some good press. That's some good. That's some very good right press. There. It also connects her to Aretha in that same way that she's wanting to, you know, in the whole J Hud Cynthia Aretha off of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oof. Okay. I mean, I'm so excited. I'm so happy for her. It's going to be. <laughs> I told someone the other day that it was. Bet and Joni Mitchell and Lauren Michaels. And <laughs> my friend was like, Oh gosh, does someone know someone know something we don't? Really feels like they're trying to get all the best ones out of the way before the asteroid comes. And I, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. And also, like the like, come on. This should have been a long time ago. Should have come down a long I know, but I love that she's doing it with Joni. I feel like it's a huge, huge uh it's gonna be an amazing evening. It's gonna be an amazing evening. This I don't know. I hope as you know, we we Bet's coming out with Hocus Pocus 2 next year. So maybe this She's is a little bit right of a betasance that's happening that She's could right be starting now. with this award and hopefully it just continues. I know. It's so great. Yeah, listen, I mean, yeah, it's it's so beautiful and I'm so happy it's happening. Thank you for all of you for listening to us talk about For the Boys, a movie you've probably never seen I missed for this. two hours. I did miss this. This was fun. Oh, this was fun. This was nice, we fell it? back into our old our old selves again. It was really nice. Thank you all for back on our bullshit. Back on our bullshit. And thank you for enjoying our bullshit and, and letting us know how much you enjoy this bullshit. We enjoy it too. Don't we really enjoy I've always just loved and enjoyed this. And you know. Although we're not going to come back in our old form, we are truly fantasizing about new forms. So know that. We, we, we're we not completely mm-hmm. ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We've still got the no, bathwater, sweeties. The baby's our, gone, but the bathwater's still here. We're still drinking the bathwater. still water. drinking that, that, that tub of gin. <laughs> Give us our little Adele period to go into ourselves yeah. and to hide away and build our next uh, world-dominating podcast. Absolutely. 
We love you, Battle Angels. Be safe. We love you. Be safe. Um, find us everywhere. Um, <laughs> Keep share promoting, this episode baby. if you want. Yeah, or baby. Don't. Yeah, baby. Get or it. Just hide. Get it. Have a great holiday, and we Get love it. you all. Love you guys. Love you, girls. Bye. When my life is through, and the credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.